Hi, and welcome to the podcast ministry of New Life Church in Springfield, Ohio. We hope that the transformative truths of God's Word impact, challenge, and bless you. 1 Samuel 16, 1 Samuel chapter 16. I tell you what, I, I, I really just absolutely have been uh, wearing uh, poor Sister Charlotte out. I don't give her near enough time sometimes, but she does a great job staying with me, and uh, I appreciate it. It really adds. I mean, I remember one time whenever, like, the projector wasn't working, and uh, everybody went from, how great thou art, in the whole crowd, to, and I was like, man, the little things matter. Little is much when God is in it, and your ministry matters. That child that you bring to church matters. Amen. It, it does. And so I appreciate your ministry, Sister Charlotte and Brother Al back there as well, helping us out on the sound so you guys don't get your ears blown back. Amen. Everything matters. God don't create junk, and he's got a lot of roles for us in the kingdom. Amen. First Samuel chapter 16 is starting in verse 1. Now the Lord said to Samuel, How long will you mourn for and go? Seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel, fill your horn with oil and go. I love the fact that before he, before he was to go, he needed to get filled. You would not, and that's the, the most simple, intuitive sentence in the world. Um, but you, some of you want to know what defies. It's like, oh yeah, and this person, you know, at Speedway said, I need to be filled with the Holy Ghost. And then I prayed and it was like, oh. Wow, that escalated quickly. Like, why doesn't that happen to me? You know? Like, you know, I, I, was, I was there on the line. I was working with him, and he said, I just need God's help in this. And I prayed with him, and, you know, we, we just really, why didn't it happen to me? Well, get filled. Because God doesn't call on empty vessels. So what he tells, what he tells the prophet is to get full, get that oil, get the, get the anointing oil, and then I'll give you the commission, not before. So many of us think that we're going to do that. We're going to absolutely wait until, uh, wait until you know, the commission is there. And then I'm going to, no, that's not how it works. You want to talk about running out of oil. There were, there were you know, five foolish and five wise virgins that, you know, in the uh, prophetic marriage supper of the Lamb. And, and guess what? You've got to have the supply of oil before God gives you the commission, before you can actually do what you're supposed to do in the kingdom. Amen. Fill your horn with oil and go. I am sending you to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided myself a king among his sons. And Samuel said, How can I go? If Saul hears it, he will kill me. See, that, that's that spirit of, of the past mistakes. That's that spirit of, uh, uh, you know, uh, if I try to function and, and do this, if, if, if I try to take on this ministry that I feel like God's called, they're going to kill me. I mean, they, they know me from, you know, they, they, it just won't go over well because, you know, I, I am not able to go here is looking at Saul and worried about the effects that Saul's going to have and he won't move forward because he's afraid. A lot of times that happens in our life. The mistakes that try and tether us to the past, we got to break free. He says, how can I go? If Saul hears he will kill me. But the Lord said, take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord and invite Jesse to the sacrifice and I will show you what you shall do. You shall anoint for me the one that I named to you. So God is already saying, I'm going to speak, and that's how you'll know my voice. The voice of God um, trumps everything else. And fortunately, we have the written word of God, which is the written voice of God. That, that's, that's where the money is. That's, where, that's the important thing is the word of God. Amen? So Samuel did what the Lord said and went to Bethlehem, and the elders of the town trembled at his coming and said, Do you come peaceably? And he said, Peaceably. He said, Peace. 
I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Sanctify yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. And he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. So it was when they came that he looked at Eliab and said, and this is where he preempts God. He said, surely the Lord's anointed is before him. I don't know if you got an exclamation point in your Bible, but I do. And I think that it's fitting because, I mean, he was, he for sure. Okay, here he is. This makes sense. He doesn't do any listening. You know, he really doesn't even do any asking. He says, surely. Makes sense. It's that, that's visibly, this is God's, this is God's plan. This is God, this is the guy right here. Surely the Lord's anointed is before him. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not look at his appearance or at his physical stature because I have refused him. For the Lord does not see as man sees, for a man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. So Jesse called Abinadab and made him to pass before Samuel, and he said, neither has the Lord chosen this one. Then Jesse made Shammah pass by, and he said, neither has the Lord chosen this one. And then Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel, and Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has not chosen these. And Samuel said to Jesse, are all the young men here? Then he said, there remains yet the youngest, and there he is keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, send and bring him, for we will not sit down till he comes here. And the Lord sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy with bright eyes and good looking. And the Lord said, arise, anoint him, for this is the one. And Samuel took a horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel arose and went to Ramah. And let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much. That word, which means that, that living word, God. So we pray in the name of Jesus that even right now that you will cause your word, um, which is already alive, to live in us, God, to speak to us powerfully and purposefully, God, and clearly each and every one of us, corporately and personally, God. Speak to us in the name of Jesus, we pray. Hallelujah. Amen. Now begin to think about the context, because I'll, you know, we need context. Uh, we need the context of the scripture. Um, uh, Saul has, uh, has been the king for a while now, and then he has you know, made mistakes, and he has done some things. His biggest problem um, was not even necessarily that, well, I guess I'm not qualified to say, but uh, it wasn't just um, that he allowed the Agagites, uh, king, you know, Agag, to survive, and, and that he had brought home all this extra spoils that was supposed to die. It wasn't necessarily... It, just those things. It was that he lied about it again and again and again. And, and what do you do when the Holy Spirit confronts you, my friend? How, how much wrestling has to take, uh, take place before we relent to what we already know that God wants from us? So that, that, that was probably Saul's biggest mistake because I honestly don't think allow, in my book, allowing the sheep to live um, was worse than murdering Uriah the Hittite and uh, committing adultery with his wife beforehand. So I speak to you today. Your biggest mistake may not end up being the mistake. It'll be the um, refusal of men. I say that because um, all have fallen short of the glory of God and that we are all sinners saved by grace. Therefore, your biggest mistake is maybe not um, your mistake. It's your refusal to heed the voice of the Lord, the conviction of the Holy Spirit, and get right the refusal of reconciliation. None of us are perfect, and to be honest, um, none of us in here, I don't think, are the best at anything. You know? Think about that, and I say that from time to time. 
you know, Saul was the best at a lot of things, and that didn't help him at all, though. The tallest guy around, you know, he's good looking and strong. You know, he was the confident one. He was the one who the armor fit. I just gave you a word right there. You know, Saul was the one that the arm, armor actually did fit. He was the one who looked right in it. He was the one, you know, you know who, who was broad in the chest and strong and able, to, you know, in, in man's understanding, in man's eyes, to go and do the things, you know, that, that you would expect. So Saul was the one who the armor fit, but that didn't matter in the end. Even the most talented and gifted of us are not indispensable. You need to understand that. And when you think you're indispensable, you take your first step toward being replaced. Samuel has a problem, and so God has to ask him a rhetorical question. How long are you going to didn't go the way that you wanted it to go or that it didn't look quite the way that you wanted it to look? And how long is the, is the mourning of Saul going to keep you from the anointing of David? That's a question I think that we all walk through times and seasons in our lives. I know I have, um, because I... You're no kind of vision, you know, visioneer. You're no kind of, you know, visionary person at all. If you don't have dreams and plans and, and you know, in the kingdom and things that you want to see happen, like surely we've all had those. And very rarely does my vision exactly how it wants, you know, how I thought it should play out, play out. But that doesn't keep God's will from being done if we will relinquish sometimes what I think in order to gain what God says, what God has planned. Amen. How long will you mourn for what you had? Because you cannot anoint David until you do. And God says to us, I can't give you what I have for you until you let go of what you had for you. I can't give you, you can't, cannot. Your, your hand can't hold that, and that's, a, that's the trick. You know, that, that, that's that, that, you know, from, from walking in faith and really actually being who you're called to be in the kingdom, that is... That is paramount. I can't give you what I have for you until you let go of what you had for you. See, we can't. Um, I was I was reading a, an old old book, um, a couple thousand three almost three thousand year old you know book. You know this is how back this these stories go. And there was a uh, a story about uh, this man, and this is you know four hundred years before uh, before Christ is born. So. Obviously, they had two wives sometimes, so take it in context. And this story is about a man who had uh, two wives. One was much younger than him, and one was much older than him, and he loved them both. And uh, they, they actually got along okay, and uh, they didn't hate each other. However, um, their thing was they wanted him to look like, uh, like them. So the young one wanted him to look like, uh, more like her, and then the older one wanted him to look uh, more like her. And so I think it's hilarious for being as old as it is. Um, so the young one would wait until, you know, until, you know, he was asleep or, you know, it was just them together. And so she would uh, pluck out his gray hairs. But the problem was the next day, the older one would come in and pluck out his black hairs. And so it ended up, he didn't look like anybody but an egg because all his hair was gone. She took all the black and she took all the gray and he was left with nothing. And neither one of them really got what they were after because they wanted it to be their way. They wanted it to look their way. And so I have to tell you that, um, amen. If you try to do your plan and God's plan, I'm telling you, you'll, you'll pro- number one, it'll stress you out. It'll kill you. 
because nothing will be coming into alignment the way that it's supposed to. Everything will be crossed up. You know, your schedule is going to be crossed up. You're not going to be able to do what you're supposed to do. There's a reason why the Word of God says, I'd rather you be hot or cold than lukewarm. Trying to please everybody. Trying to please everything, every part of your heart. Heart is exceedingly wicked. No man can know it. Follow the Word. Follow the voice of God. Amen? So God gives Samuel new context for finding his will. And I, I just want to read that again because it's so good. It, you know, just the written words better than any of us could ever preach or describe. So we jump back into where, um, where, and let me paint the picture again one more time. Okay, because Samuel, um, he has done this before, Right? I mean, it's not his first rodeo. He's, a, you know, it's still a very small amount of rodeos, but it's not his first. So sometimes just because we've done something once or twice and maybe even seen some success out of it, um, we, we, we assume that we know the right way to do it and that we don't need to heed the voice of God as much as we do just what God said the last time. That's a, that's a good word right there. Sometimes what, what God has said before is good. He's doing a new thing, and although he never changes, his will for us is unfolding, and, and there are seasons. So I, what God told me in one season, I, I need a fresh word from God. You know, I, I, I don't need a new Bible, but I need a new revelation. I need, to, I need to not preempt God with what he said for somebody else. I don't, I don't need to cancel God's voice out in my life because I already know what he told this person. And we can do that. We can decide that, that, well, that's how he operated, that's how he anointed there, and that's how it's got to be, that's how it's going to be. And, so, and then we miss the very voice of God, and we wonder why we fail. You're operating, i tell you right now, I want to just say to somebody tonight, you're operating in someone else's gift, and that's why you're frustrated. You're operating in someone else's gifting, and that's why you're frustrated. You need to take a step back, stop using your eyes and use your ears and hear the voice of God in your life. Yeah. Samuel has already, he's done this before. Like he has, he's anointed and he's seen the king come forward and now it's, it's time to do it. So he assumes that he knows how it's going to go and he knows what he's looking for. Um, but it's, it is different in this season. It's going to be, you know, God's going to do it a little bit different way. Um, so he says, and when he, when he preempts the voice of God, kind of he says, so it was when they came that he looked at Eliab and said, sure. But the Lord gives fresh context to the man of God here. And he says, do not look at his appearance or at his physical stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord does not see as a man sees, for a man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. And so uh, the man of God has to really, he has to get a whole new paradigm for seeking God's will, which is something that I need time to time. Something that you need from time to time. Let me just say this. Um, I hope that I never pass over David because I was looking for Saul. Because it is the kingdom that suffers when we do. That's not, it's, it's so easy to do, though, isn't it? It's so easy to do. You know, my way. And guess what? My way is just a, you know, a few years removed maybe from the next person or the last person. So it's not you know, singular. It's not just like one person who has this. But we all have this problem. We all get comfortable in our relationship with God. No matter how cutting edge you were yesterday, today 
you need to know what God has for you moving forward. Amen. No matter how cool you are, no matter how, how smart I am, no, no matter how good the, you know, the idea or the vision was, we need to be moving forward in the Lord. Give it anointing. Amen. He's looking for a Saul ministry with a David. Well, you don't get that. You only get a David ministry with a David anointing. You only get what God has for you in this season for you to function in the fullness of what God has for you in, in terms of anointing and power and consecration. God wants you to be victorious. He wants you to be powerful. He wants you to move forward, but you have to do it his way. I have to do it. We have to do it his way. Amen? So now he, he, he's learning. He's learning, you know, what, what I see that makes sense is not necessarily, the, this is absolutely not the final deciding factor in God's plan moving forward. And God does want us, I want to, you know, make a little side note. God does want us to use uh, wisdom and discernments and always operate within the context of his word. Amen? So there is no, re- there is no new revelation that is not a false revelation when it comes to the word of God. That's the same. That endures forever. That's, that's non-negotiable. There is no new gospel that is not a false gospel. Amen? God does want us to use wisdom and discernment. Um, see, I could take you um, to, uh, to Genesis, and we could read about Eliezer, the, uh, uh, the servant of Abraham, who goes, and then he, he's looking for the right person. He's looking for the person that God uh, has for you know, the, his, uh, his master's son. And then he looks, and he sees some things that he needs to see, and, and then he discerns based on that. We certainly do. What, what Eliezer saw confirmed God's will and God's word. I tell you, and let me tell you this to anyone who's maybe single and that God, you're waiting for God to, if it's His will and His season, bring together the right person um, for your life, you know, and a marriage partner. I will say that uh, honestly, and this is not very fun, but what I'm not looking for is the best place to start. Amen. Thanks, guys. What I'm not looking for is probably the best place to start whenever it comes to searching for the person that God maybe has for me. Um, Best way to figure out the person God has for you is to figure out what that doesn't look like and go from there. Um, Start by what you know isn't God's will. Now, if God's got a calling on your life, then someone whose life trajectory is in conflict with that is not God's will. Someone who is not living according to um, the, the confines of the word of God. Let me tell you this. Okay, let, let's get it real tight, okay? Let, let, let's, let's really, you know, let's, let's put them in a box right here. What do you say, church, saints of God? Somebody who is not at least as close to God as you are is not to God. And that can be a mutual thing, Amen. You can find somebody who, you see, it's not like, you know, this one's this close to God, this one's this close to God, and so, well, you know, you're always looking down at that one, so you can never find someone. No, no, you'll find somebody, if you seek the will of God, who will mutually draw you closer to God, who will make you more of who you're supposed to be. Amen. Start by what you know isn't God's will. Biblically, this is called consecration. Consecration. Um, you know, they used to have vessels, and uh, the vessels, you know, they had a purpose, um, but they also were not allowed to be used for anything else, okay? And that's a really, really good place to start because uh, being spirit-filled, being Pentecostal, I don't always know exactly what God's got in store for me. I don't know he had a word for us this service like he did, but he did. So here, here, uh, hear me now. Um, 
the best thing for you to do, whether you're single, whether you're married, no matter what, um, know what your vessel isn't supposed to be used for and then consecrate it to what it is. Amen? And then open that up. Say, God, you can fill my vessel with whatever you have. Let me tell you, what he's going to put in it is going to be bigger than what you can consecrate it for in your own understanding anyway. That's why. What, what he has for you is, is bigger, is greater than what you can possibly understand. However, you've got to consecrate. You've got to say, that doesn't belong in my vessel. I don't know what all does, but I don't know exactly where it's going to take me, Kelsey. I don't know where all you know, his will will take me from season to season, from year to year. The Jess from, you know, from season to season. I don't know what all he's got in store for me. But I, so I don't know what all he's going to put in my vessel. But I do know what doesn't belong in my vessel. The things of the earth, the, you know, the, the, the selfish desires, the things that take us further away from God. I, w- I wish some, some young people would latch on to what I'm saying right now and say this in their heart. I don't know what all this vessel will be used for, but I can tell you what it won't be used for. Amen. Adam, I don't know what all God's got for, for, for you. But you've got to say, I don't know what God is going to use my vessel for, but I can tell you what's not going in it. The things of this earth, the things of sin, the things that are going to take me from the plan of God. Amen. So God, and this is, I guess this is a sermon more about Samuel, about the shifting and about, uh, about the seasons in his life. Um, see, God shifts the vision of the prophet, of the man of God in this. And let me step on these toes. Let me get these toes real quick. Um, It's amazing the propensity that human beings have for trying the same mindset, the same effort, the same design again and again and again. I think the church throughout the ages has has fallen into some of this, fallen into rote. We can do this in our prayer lives for sure. We can do this in so many, so many different areas. God looks at the heart. See, this is, this is where, um, where we really, really see a change in the man of God's heart. I really hope that I'm painting at least a little bit of a picture to where you're understanding that God is working on him. This is his moment as much as it is David's moment because uh, he, he, he wants to, somebody's got to birth this thing, this new anointing. Someone, someone has got to be the, be the person uh, who stands up and makes it possible. You know, somebody's be the person uh, you know who releases you know something great in our church. Someone's got to be the prayer warriors. I remember uh, you know the, that amazing revival that happened at First Pentecostal there in London years and years ago. And man, that came on the backs of prayer meeting after prayer. It was like you know how many weeks did that revival go? It went on and on and on. Souls being saved, healings, amazing miracles. You know, and it, but what, where it really happened was they had prayer meetings going up to that for years, where it seemed like nothing would break loose. And then it did powerfully. Amen. God looks at the heart, and you have said for this man of God, that, that doesn't help very much when we're looking for God's will. You know, the fact that God, you know, I, I, I want to do what makes sense. I want to, I want to jump the gun. I want, I want to pick the king. You told me to come, you know, and anoint the king, you know, and anoint this, you know, and go into this next season. I want to do it, but I can't because now I have to wait on you because you're seeing something that I'm not seeing, and, and you, you want to say something, and, and I can't do it on my own. It's frustrating. It's frustrating when whenever we don't get to do it our way, isn't it? Really frustrating because, you know, well, I know what kings are supposed to look like, God. You know, that looks like a king, and that guy, not so much. Uh, you know, so I, I want to, and God's like, stop. 
Listen. I'm looking at the inside, and you're looking at the outside. God looks at the heart, and like I said, that doesn't help us much when we're looking for God's will. If you want God's will, though, spend twice as much time listening as you do looking. Man, spend twice as much time listening as you do looking. See, there's a change in this man. There's a change in Samuel after Eliab passes and God teaches him this thing. And so as we look at this, um, it's almost like God calls a timeout you know, and calls him over to the side. It's like, you're killing me. Yeah. You're not, you're not going to mess this up again by doing it your way you know, and, and going off what you see. I love the song we did this morning. I'm not, gonna, I'm not going to, to go by what I see. And so he kind of has to call. And, and sometimes I think God, your way. Amen. He does. And so what he does uh, when he takes him aside, there's this change, and you can tell he gets back on the court. He gets back into the game. He gets back into the, uh, you know, th- this particular um, moment with the right attitude. And you know what he does not do? He doesn't interrupt God again. Let me give you a word right here. What if you had married the first person that you thought was, you know, the right person? Some of you might have, and then you made the best of it. You know, some of you might not have. Um, I can just say that. Uh, I know who that was, and God is good. Amen? So, so you know, what, what, if we, what if we just always went with the first thing that came before us? What if you bought that first house that you looked at, you know? What if you bought the first car that you looked at? What, but why do we preempt that with God? The, fir- the first thing that I can possibly latch onto instead of waiting to hear truly from the voice of God. Amen? So that's what Samuel learns. main thing is don't interrupt God. Don't, don't superimpose your vision because that'll only cloud the one he has for you. The change in Samuel after Eliab passes because all he says is, uh, I just wish that I could paint this really, really good. Um, at first, this is the attitude of the prophet. I'll know it when I see it. I know how things are supposed to be. Bless God. Think that's him. God said, absolutely not. Pulls him aside and he gives him this word. It says, you're, you're looking on the outside, I'm looking on the inside. You need to listen twice as much as you look. As a matter of fact, I think you could do this better blind because then you would have to trust me. I hope that's not our story. I hope that's not, you know, where we're at. That God's like, man, I wish, I, sometimes God has to take things from us in order for us to see past those things. So for the next time, you see a very, like, kind of somber, very, you know, laid back uh, prophet. You know, it t- takes a little wind out of the sails. And so the next one comes by, nope. That's not it. How do you know? Because God hasn't said. Next one. Well, surely this one. I mean, I know, I know he's a little weird looking, but I mean, he's really strong. Nope. How do you know? What's wrong with him? I haven't heard what I need to hear. How about this one? This one is a great, great speaker. I mean, he, you know, he, he's, he's awesome. Like, you know, you know, he's not the biggest or the strongest, but man, he can talk. He's very diplomatic. He's real smooth operating. Surely this guy, no. Because I haven't heard what I need to hear to function and to walk forward in faith. What about this one? I got you know we got seven of them that, that they get trooped out. Like, okay, well here's the you know, here's the last one. Uh, here's a word for you right now, uh, because it seems like it's your last option of making bad decisions because they thought that was their only option. I guarantee you, even the big strong guy when Eliab comes out, it's like, 
You know, he, he definitely looks like the man. He looks like the right one, and that would have been easy to pick, but I guarantee you the easiest to pick would have been the last one. Hey, you know, that's how the Mennonites do it, actually. That's how they pick their next man of God. Like in the old, old order, you know, a lot of them will, was it 12 books? And one of them will have like a scripture in it. They're all identical. They fold them up and then uh, they mix them all up. The oldest guy comes out of the prayer room and picks one up. Whoosh, not me. Next one, not me. Not me, not me, not me. And what my dear mother-in-law um, says, she, you know, because she's got some wisdom to her. She said, I think they should have 13. Because it could be that none of those men are the right ones. That's what she said, isn't it? And that's what I'm saying about this man of God, this prophet. I think that uh, whenever it seems like it's your last opportunity, like, you know, that, that's the scary moment. Well, if it's not him, it's nobody, so it's got to be, right? And, you know, if, if it's not this, then, then there's, there, there is no anointing. If it's not that plan, if it's not that person, I mean, I ain't had a, a date in a hot second. And if it's, so if it's not that one, then I don't know who it's going to be because you know, I'm kind of, you know, it's surely God. Hey, man, I'm kind of goofing around, but I'm kind of serious. The obvious choice is not always, you know, the, the easy. Sometimes it's what you need to hear. My choice is what is best for you. And so don't worry about it. It doesn't matter if there's nobody left standing there. I will provide. And when I do, it'll be the right one. Amen. It'll be the right person. It'll be the right anointing. It'll be the right season. It'll be the right time. And my will will go forward. My kingdom will, be, will come and my will will be done. What you're asking God for. But it only comes whenever we wait until we hear the voice of God. The, the prophet is subdued now. The man of God, the expert, if you will. And I will. Because um, he is the one who's done it before. He says, it's not him, it's not him, it's not him, it's not him. And then he passes his last test, which is the test of desperation. Sure, it's got to be him. He's the last one. No, it's not him prophet says, until I hear the voice of God, I will not make my decision. Where are you at, my friend? Are you at a place where you will actually allow every option to expire because you have not heard the voice of God? Because if you are, you are ripe for your miracle.